Hello everyone and welcome back to the 343 Football Podcast. It's your host Jaffa and once again I'm joined by Ali. Sup? Daud. Hello. And Qudama. Hello. How's everyone doing? Daud? Yeah. Ali's no longer at the wheel? Ali's no longer at the wheel. Um, I'm sure we were going to do an episode about this but I think you guys are all just sick and tired of hearing about me and my Oli wars. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, um, excitingly I'd rather talk about the new appointment possibly coming through. I know there's a principal agreement with Ralph Ragnick but yeah, he's a bit more yeah exciting well, to talk about. You've already told the listeners sort of the theme of the podcast. Don't worry, it's not just going to be Man United, but Boo. the <laughs> what we always stick with is the trivia section. Now we said that we were going to start keeping count. So so far we know that Qadem has got two points, Ali has the one point, and Dowd is waiting to get on the score sheet. This week's question is: Who is the most capped Brazilian player of all time? Socrates. Pele. It's not Pele. Man, why do I know this? But it's not coming to my head. Julius Is it Fred? Caesar? Sorry? Julius Caesar? Nah, I Dida. don't think he played football, bro. Dida, Fred. Julius Caesar, did he play football? Julius Caesar. <laughs> <laughs> no, man, what's his name? C- goalkeeper Caesar. I'm yeah. taking the piss. Yeah, yeah. Cool, Sorry, I missed a couple of suggestions. Fred, Dida. Fred. Wait, he Fred. Means, he means the other Fred. Oh, the other Fred. Right, the striker right, right. Fred. The guy who played class Thiago Silva. It's not Thiago Silva. No, right, definitely. Okay, hang on, hang on. Roberto Carlos. Janino. Cafu. Danny Alves. Kafu. We'll just listen off names, Damn. to be honest. It's but just whoever. I thought goalkeeper. I thought that'd make more sense. I think Podem is slowly building a reputation for the most knowledgeable football fan. Fuck my life. Because he, he, he's getting the answers right. That's yeah. three for Podem. Fair play. Ah, yeah, right. I'm not gonna to like be fair, though, I can't really take too much credit because at that point we were just listening off names. Yeah, but I mean, we only named about what, 12, 13, 14 players? It's quite a few. I players. named one. So. <laughs> yeah, but it wasn't Fred and it wasn't Julius Caesar. The thing he, is, when I said Kafu, I, like the fact that he was a right back triggered my mind. It's like, oh, it's got to be Danny Alves because the guy's 38 still playing for oh, Barcelona. Yeah, yeah that, that's that's crazy how he's back at Barcelona, isn't it? And he was Mad. playing for he's still playing for the Brazilian national team, isn't he? Well, he played in the Olympics. I don't know if he plays in the other. I think competitions. Yeah, they must have put him in the Olympics because it's like oh, the last thing he has to accomplish, right? Yeah. Well, no, he hasn't. It's, it's not he like hasn't won the World Cup. It's also you can have certain amount of players over. Yeah, like I think it's three of them or something. Yeah. Yeah, but exactly. So you'd think his chances would be even lower because if you're only allowed a certain number of players over that age. You wouldn't really be picking a 30-year-old past Who, who are Brazilians right-backs right now? Who are using a Brazil team? It's a good question, actually. I don't think anyone ahead of him... Brazil right-backs? Right yeah. Just a, I'm blanking. Yeah. Brazilian right-backs. So am I. It's weird. Militao can do a job at right-back, right? I'm not even going to lie. It's you've got, you've got my curiosity. This has got nothing to do with what we're going to talk about today, but That's we need like, to know who's playing for Brazil at the moment. Do I get a bonus point for that? Just even mentioning that at all. A bonus point for talking about football. So everyone's going to get two points. No, 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 no. <laughs> just, just bring up for the point who's a Brazilian right-back is right okay, now. So in the Fabinho? Last, in the last game. Fabinho. It might be Fabinho. It was Danilo from oh, Juventus. Danilo, of course. Oh, yeah. Of course. They could upgrade that position for sure. He's not terrible, but... Damn. In the game before, it was Emerson Royale. Okay, they really need an upgrade for that right back. <laughs> is yeah, is Tavares Portuguese or Brazilian? Portuguese. Tavares. Nuno Mendes. Portuguese. Portuguese also. Yeah. Yeah, those would be good options. Well, I don't know about Tavares, but anyways, we will get into the topic of discussion for today's recording, guys. So obviously, there's been a bit of a managerial merry-go-round in the Premier League recently. So we're going to focus on four managers. One of them hasn't actually been officially appointed yet, but you know that would you know refer to it earlier. The first manager we'll talk about is someone who's no stranger to the Premier League at all, and that is Steven Gerrard. So, uh, you know, 
it does it doesn't slip. We're not gonna let this slip. <laughs> oh. Well, he let the Rangers position slip because he let go of that one and joined Aston Villa. <laughs> oh god. <laughs> oh man. So Gerard is someone that is like, you know, incredibly accomplished uh and very memeable at the same time. It's very it's a very rare combination. But as a manager oh, so God. far, you can't really, you know, there's not too many negatives. Went to Scotland, you know, with Rangers Invincible and season. You know, ended the Celtic dynasty which was sort of started because Rangers had to reform as a club. He got them their first league title after the uh, I don't know what do they call them again that that new Rangers nickname that Celtic fans always say to wind them up. Uh, oh, I don't know. There's, right there's, there's a word that they blanking. always say. It's like a company word. Uh, it's not I, it's like blanking right now. Oh god. Yeah, you're a resident Scottish football expert, man. I'll be honest. Well, I'm, I'm blanking. I'm is it Newco? They always call them Newco or something. I no, the, it's new something, but I, I yeah. don't think it's that. That's the thing. I'm blank right now. What the heck? I'm yeah. such a horror right now. Maybe it's one of those passive terms that hasn't. No, really it's just always Celtic fans winding up Rangers fans by saying, "Oh, it's it's like they, they always say it's called Rangers established in 2012." Yeah, yeah, stuff that's like what that. They always yeah. say. So that's one which is keeping my mind. But yeah, but yeah, like the the question I would present to everyone: Can Gerard make the step up? To the Premier League as a manager, we know like I feel like you missed out one of the main the main things that Gerard did, an invincible Let, season. Let's hear it. Invincible season. Yeah. yeah. Oh, with Rangers. Yeah. yeah it was that, that's that's that. a that's a massive yeah. accomplishment. No, I don't it's know. Because I credited yeah. more to James Tavernier. Like uh, he learned it all at Newcastle. It wasn't Gerard. <laughs> 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 nah, but, I mean, no, fair enough. No, that's fair. Like I should I shouldn't have admitted that. I'm sorry, Stephen, if you're listening. But. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, let's talk about Gerard as a manager. So obviously, the funny thing is, he's actually had two games with uh, uh, Villa so far. So we, we can actually as- assess a little bit of empirical evidence with him. I think has he won them both? Yeah, yeah he's yes. won both of them. Two nil and two one. Yeah, there you go. So Ali, I'll come to you as the uh, Liverpool fan who always liked, you know, I'm sure you'll know more about him than most of us. Do you believe that he's got what it takes to make the step up as a manager to the Premier League? You know what, Steven Gerrard? You need, you need to give coaches time. Like... He's not a, he's not an experienced coach. That's one thing which I can say. Yeah. Like Oregon Solskjaer, this is not me, me or anything, but he's had ten years of coach, and he, he still hasn't progressed. Like he's still in the same position where he is. With Gerard, what he did was he stayed with the under nineteen of Liverpool, learned under Jurgen Klopp for a couple of seasons. Oh, did he actually have a? Was he like the official manager yeah, of the under 19s? Yeah. Was he? Yeah. So he was know. actually what you call it doing the under nineteen games, go to the Champions League games for the under nineteens. Um, this was the same season where um, I didn't even realise it wasn't in the 19s League. Yeah, yeah. Um, Torres was coaching the Athletic Liverpool one recently. Really? Yeah. Oh, so yeah. There Jacked up Torres. Yeah, jacked up Torres. Yeah. That's, that's <laughs> when I saw that picture. I was like, crap. So, yeah. yeah so, so when he was at uh, Liverpool's under-19s, he started with pressing, like how all Liverpool teams are from the senior team to under-23s, 21s, to 19s, to the under-15s. All of them have a pressing logical system going through. And he was the one in charge of Yeah, that. he was wow. in charge of that. So he stayed a couple of, couple of seasons there and he had offers with Derby County, MK Dons, but yeah. he saw the Rangers job come up. He was like, okay, he, he can make something out of it because Rangers at the time, they had a Portuguese coach right now, not coming to my head. They're going through turmoil. They lost to a team in the Europa League uh, qualifiers to someone from Luxembourg. Yeah, was so, it a Portuguese coach? I think it was Romanian. It was Pe- it, no, 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 there was. was it, I remember he had an X in his name. That's yeah, what I remember. His first name was Pedro. I can't it remember. It was like yeah. Casicio or something yeah, like that. Yeah, I, don't I don't know how to pronounce it, but yeah. like there was I, I massive swear there'll be a couple of Rangers fans listening who are like tearing their hair. Like, the amount of knowledge we're missing in Scotland at the moment. Yeah, but yeah, I mean, so obviously we know about the biography side of him. But what is he like as a manager? What's the managerial style that he's gone for so far in his short tenure? Well, it's it's pressing. 
So he's actually mixed up he's mixed up systems with a four three three to a four three one, depending on which teams he, he's playing against. So when he went to Rangers, first he played with a four three three, and then he had issues breaking the the lower defense blocks against like teams like St. Marion's and Livingston and all Livingston that. and yeah, Motherwell. You can you can you can Living, keep on going. by the way you can just name every team other than Celtic. Like <laughs> no no no, a few other teams you know. Hearts are all right. No, no, what I'm saying, right, you know, all, all right, inverted commas, you know. Well, well <laughs> Rangers got slapped up by Hearts last week, so I'm just saying. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm well, Hibs. So, so he's he's, a, he's trying to press. Yeah, that's what it is. It depends on which team he's going against. The interesting thing is, I remember reading some quotes from Gerard, like, when right when he started becoming a manager, and he said that one of his biggest influences was Rafa Benitez at the time at Liverpool. So yeah. I would have thought there would be a bit of pragmatism there, because... He, like correct me if I'm wrong but wasn't his defensive record with Rangers unbelievably good yeah I was, I've actually got some interesting facts in it, which I'll mention later on but obviously you need to keep the team you know organised you know defend first you know keep clean sheets but he went from pressing first because Rangers obviously they have attacking players they have flair players so he's got to expose what he's got so when he had issues breaking that down he went to a 4-2-3-1 he had Candias who plays for I think Alanya Sport right now Kent on the left you had Scott Arfield making those last-minute runs in the box like Lampard did for Chelsea. Yeah. And you had Morales up front. And they would actually o- overload the centre-backs and try to do that. And yeah. that wouldn't always work. So instead, what they did was Gerard. Not Gerard. I don't give Ger- Gerard his credit. I give it to Michael Beale mm. and Gary McAllister because Michael Beale... His assistants, I'm guessing. Yeah, his, his assistants. He's got he's got the right assistants, which is... Uh, he the took Apple. them both to Villa? I know yeah, he took he McAllister has, to Villa. He's he taken Beal to Villa as well. Meal, Michael Beal was at Liverpool as well. He was oh, at Jurgen okay. Klopp I and Brendan Rodgers. So he's a very experienced assistant Damn, coach. He's got a good team behind him then. Yeah. So that's one of the main advantages of Steve Gerrard. He's got an experienced team around him. And what Michael Beal's discovered is instead of playing a 4-3-3 or 4-2-3-1, he's playing a 4-3-3 with two inverted number 10s to create more space. So imagine if... One of the invert, what got in, well not inverted wingers. One of the number tens is what's got to run down. It's going to pull space from from one centre back. That's going to create space for, say, um, Kent or Morelos to run to the box. Yeah, and you know it opens a lot of goals. Sounds like a quite a sophisticated tactical setup there. So, one thing I want to know, Dowd, do you believe that the squad that he's inherited with Aston Villa? So we've talked about pressing. We've talked about utilizing that, that type of movement with your players. I feel like the Aston, the current Aston Villa team. It's quite good. He he can make something of that, right? Yeah, I mean, it, it's definitely quite good. Uh, I mean, uh, the signings that Dean uh, Smith made, they were all signings that worked well with him. The only thing I would say is, is Steven Gerrard able to get the most out of those players? Because Dean Smith is um, a manager that is a lot more uh, man management, player orientated, working with players, pros and cons. With Steven Gerrard, he wants a certain way of playing. You can tell that by the way he conducted himself in Rangers and obviously the, the two matches he's won. It, it'll be essentially, if he can if he can adapt to that and get the most out of his players, essentially, yeah. Yeah, I mean, that, that's what I feel. one of the things I feel like is going to be interesting is, so we know that Tavernier, we mentioned him earlier, he, he was brilliant and, uh, under Gerrard. Like, Matty Cash, not a bad, uh, you know, not a bad right back to take and call yeah, I mean, it's a very technical team, Aston Villa. So right off the bat, you'd think it's quite a good fit for the Gerrard uh, style of play. I mean, Aston Villa have, you know, come into some cash recently. No, no pun intended, but um, <laughs> they've, they've recruited well. So 
it's not like I mean, he's no, coming into a team that's battling yeah. relegation. Aston Villa, yeah. what no, they are now, is not Aston Villa of you know two, three years ago. No, I agree with that. What Gerard's trying to do at Villa right now is he's trying to keep him organised because that wasn't happening under Dean Smith. So if you actually look at the possession stats, he, uh, Aston Villa only had 37% in both games. So against Brighton, he only had 30, 37%. All oh, right, okay. So he's sitting he's, back a little you know, bit. Yeah, he's, he's trying yeah. to be organised. Do you not think it was a bit uh, unfortunate that Dean Smith did leave? Like essentially, yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't think he should have been sacked. No, but you know, you have a. a, did, he, a ter- did he get sacked officially? Yeah, yeah, right. yeah. Like, like you lost the like team, four, four or five games. Yeah, the team so that he's got should be playing a lot better. But like, like we've seen with other teams, you know, you go through uh, patches, like purple patches, like Southampton. Um, you know, they were doing so well at the beginning of the season. Their 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 team can play amazingly well. Um. And then, you know, the veer off. And it's the same with, like, let's say, for example, Rafa, our favourite, right? <laughs> um, look at his team. Do you know what I mean? Like, Everton are, a, a, you know, a very solid team. They're, 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 they're hampered by injuries at the moment. They're hampered yeah. by in- But look who they're playing, man. Look at yeah. that. Their lineup is so But they're bad. not playing anywhere near as good. And I think it's yeah. the same with Aston Villa. It was a bit premature, in my opinion. The team that they've got, yes, they should be playing a lot better. But top 10 is good enough. Yeah, essentially I mean, for them. But to be honest, like for me, I feel like there are certain sackings that happen where the ownership. It's not that the manager doing so bad, like hasn't won in ten matches or yeah. something like that. But it's there's sort of like a feeling, oh, you know, you've taken us as far as you can. Let yeah, exactly, let's refresh yes. things. You know, the players that we've got, we've made all these exciting signings. We don't want anything to stagnate with them. So it's one of those where 100. They see Gerald as that guy. So the, my next question, Ali, is how far can Gerald take Villa if we assume that they keep sort of recruiting, uh, recruiting these style of players? So, you know, like uh, the Leon Bailey types, all these players from sort of Europa League level squads. Can Gerard take uh, Ever- uh, Everton? Can Gerard take what Villa? The heck? Sorry. I don't yeah. want to hear that. <laughs> that's, that's a don't think any Liverpool fan would hear that, yeah. man. <laughs> uh, to be honest, I really want to see that one day. But yeah. Man, that, that would cause carnage. But Can Gerard take Villa as a stable top 10 team that is regularly competing in Europe? Of, of course he can. What, why can't he? Like, like, general, is there so anyone, I think, can, can no, I answer I, that? Why, Connie? That's what I want to know I, first. I think, I think he'll do really well um, for, I don't know, a season. I think, I think he'll do well so long as he's got the uh, the Liverpool job still, the, like, to tick off his list. It seems like there's a weird signing where, I wouldn't say Aston Villa is a stepping stone, but it's almost accepted that no matter whenever you hear someone talk about Gerrard and his managerial career, that he's going to end up at Liverpool either way because he is Mr. Liverpool. Like, you know, how, how can you disassociate well, uh, the those, thing two, is, like, though, those two things? He's mm. not shown any football that it, I would think that oh, well, if he took over the Liverpool squad at the moment, he would be any better than but anybody. You've just mentioned being invincible in Scotland. <laughs> no, <laughs> so, but let's be honest, though. Like, okay, it, okay. In terms of like this ranking invincible. You're right. No, I, yeah. agree, I agree with but, that. Coming come fourth or fifth in this season is probably, you know, 10 times above what Rangers yeah. could okay, do. Can, 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 can I just really quickly hard. debate this and right? You'll say that, yeah, I totally understand that, you know, uh, Scot- Scottish, what's called it, Premiership is not as strong as obviously the APL and the other leagues. I get that, but you need to appreciate what he's doing in the Europa League as well. You know, he's beating Porto, he's beating Feyenoord, he's competed against Leverkusen. No, no he's won two, three, three that's, games that's against Benfica. Did anyone notice he, the deliberate... He's a European giant here. The yeah. deliberate choice of words, he competed against Leverkusen. Do you mean he lost <laughs> to Leverkusen? <laughs> he competed, yeah, I say. He lost to Leverkusen. <laughs> he got no. touched up by Leverkusen, but you know, yeah. I got well, back my guy. No, let, let me ask you this question though, right? <laughs> let me ask you this question. Had the Liverpool job opened up this summer, you know, whatever, say Klopp leaves, he's done as much as he can there. Would Gerard be considered for the Liverpool role based on his uh, Rangers tenure? No. 
No, I, I that's what Dowd's trying no. to say. I yeah. think. I feel like he's saying if he impresses at Aston Villa, that's a thing. Yeah, of yeah. course, but it's a hypothetical. But if he impresses at Villa, it's gonna give him more of a argument to you know to ask for the Liverpool job. And as long as he's got that motivation for me, I think that he'll take this Liverpool for uh, this Villa team. Like as yeah, far but as the, also can. the other thing is is the drought of good managers at the moment that are willing to move for a project like Liverpool, like. You know, you could think of an- Antonio Conte that could go, but in terms of like, let's Antonio say Conte if I'm... Liverpool, See, the, the reason no, no, I don't I'm, want to I'm, debate no, no, about I'm, Liverpool... I'm trying to say is... Uh, yeah, no, sorry. Yeah, it's because you're right. About Gerard, yeah, the the, the managerial yeah. landscape in 2024, which is when Klopp is predicted to leave, is going to be so different. Gerard will have three years to judge him on and see what he did. So exactly. it's, it's a, a conversation league, too far in the future. Uh, yeah, crazy. maybe I think the, the question is, is that... Uh, if Liverpool were to take on Gerrard, would would that be another Lampard mistake, essentially, with Chelsea? And well, I don't think, it's well, too no. soon to think it was a mistake. Klopp's that going nowhere for now, so yeah. it's too soon to tell. Yeah, but I, they went a diff- to, You can't c- compare them one to one, though, because I, Lampard went to Chelsea think, a lot no, no. sooner than Ra- uh, but Gerrard two, would. Two have, English whole midfielders that were so so iconic for England. There, and the press will yeah. do what they can to draw those comparisons. Yeah. But I'm saying, if Gerrard goes to Liverpool in 2024, he would have. He will be going at a much later stage in his managerial career than True. Lampard did. To you Chelsea. know what I think would be True. amazing: True. Gerard versus Lampard is a managerial uh, battle where their teams are performing well, but as soon as they're next to each other on a touchline, it breaks apart. <laughs> <laughs> on the pitch, <laughs> <laughs> they can never play oh, together. Man. <laughs> but yeah, the next—I uh, don't know if anyone wants to add any final points uh, about Gerard there. With right, I was going to mention some stats before that. No, no, go for it. Yeah, read yeah. off the stats. So, right, Rangers scored in. Och scored in the Invincible season, 2.4 goals per game. Um, Man City actually scored 2.8 per game. Right, with Chelsea's 2004-2005 um, season, uh, they conceded um, 0.4 goals per game. And Gerrard's Rangers got 0.3. I'm just, I'm just showing wow. you guys. Wow. Let's, let's that hold on. Uh, yeah. that, so that 15 goal conceded season for Chelsea wasn't as good as the Gerrard defence from Rangers. Is that what we're saying? I'm just saying they didn't concede. concede no, no, much. but that's, that's what I'm saying. That, the yeah. stat, that's what yeah. the stats show. That's what stats are saying. That's, that's they, incredible. They conceded fewer but, than 15 goals yeah. that season. How yeah. many? Oh, con- I don't know how many it was. James Tavernier w- w- wouldn't probably play for any of the top 10 teams as a centre back. I think he would. As a, as a right back, though, he's a right back. Uh, right back. Well, he's been playing centre back. I think he's a. Is he's, he? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Am I getting this wrong? Oh, he's he's been the captain. He's been playing the centre back as well. Oh, hold on, Ali, tell us where does Tavernier play? He plays right back, but more right winger. Come on, let's be honest. So but not, cent- what, not centre back. Look, 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 what Steven Gerrard do, does <laughs> is what you call he gets he gets certain, certain players to to overload what you call positions what Guardiola does. So, but yeah, but yeah, that's what he does. So. Maybe I'm 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 having a I don't know, bro. A absolute blooper. It's definitely right a right It's back. all right. I had He's a blooper before. Yeah. Ap- apologies, yeah. The best part is you've played against them. You should know. I know. I did. <laughs> no, that makes so much sense. Yeah. You're so good at the ball. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> all right. The next manager we're going to talk about, as I mentioned, hasn't been officially appointed yet, and I don't even know if I'm pronouncing his name correctly. Ralph Ragnick or Ranyik? Ragnick. Not sure where. Uncle the G Ralph. That's a stick Ralph. Uncle yeah. Ralph. Well, all old Ralph. What about last Kodama? And obviously, to you guys at large, is what will he do? We, we know a lot about his profile in terms of like the allure of the guy. What will he do to improve Man United in the short term and long term, based on what we know about him? That's a good question because Ralph Ragnick in his career has shown that he's more than happy to take on a long project if he sees it is worth his personal investment of time. But he's also happy to come in on the short basis, like even within his Leipzig, um, you know, tenure as coach and sporting director or director of football. You know, he's, he's been there overall throughout the project since they were taken over, as controversial as that was. Um, but he's majority of the time, he's been a 
sporting director. But if he sees that there's no viable option to come in as a manager, he'll happily step in in the dugout for a year. I mean, both his managerial tenures, uh, you know, stints at Leipzig were one season each. There's not many people like that. It's yeah, a very unique he's, uh, he's very combination like, of skills. I'll do what I want and you trust me to do the job and I will deliver. <laughs> Which, as someone that doesn't really want to see Man United succeed, it does seem like the first appointment since Alex yeah, that man, has actually I'll, got me a bit I'm worried. Bit, I'm, I'm worried, man. I'm really I'll, worried. Well, I would argue that where he took those clubs, where he did tra- transfer them, like give a good example is RB Leipzig. He literally transferred them from the bottom. Yeah, the yeah. Not, not just I think Leipzig is a unique case, a though, because they were literally building the club like, yeah, from, it was a project but, from day one. But yeah. Uncle Ralph did the same thing with Hoffenheim as well. Exactly the same thing. Oh, with Schalke, he changed around a bit. He didn't change around with Schalke. He won a deep. Was this the Hoffenheim of Nagelsmann? Yeah. Was He's it? the one who brought Nagelsmann to Hoffenheim yeah. as well. Uh-huh. So yeah. Exactly, yeah. I mean, Hoffenheim, he was there for five years. So like I say, like he, he can be there for a while. Um, but if he doesn't want to be there for no, a long time, may- maybe like that Schalke, means he's only there for a year. Man United will sign Joe Linton. <laughs> <laughs> but to answer your question, though, about <laughs> yes. like... He's been all, all right, to, to be fair. We'd all love to see it, definitely. Ronaldo is uh, quaking in his boots right now, man. Let's, let's be honest. But I think what he will do like his main objective is just to embed a um, a blueprint. I don't think Man United are bringing him in for success on the pitch this very season. Mm. And that's, um, you know, compounded by the fact that he's staying on as an, you know, in an adv- advisory role uh, for two years after the, after the managerial stint's over. So really, he's just going to be in there and he's going to just show them how it's done. This is what you brought me in to do. This is the side of football you want and I'm going to get you the success. I, I personally thought he was Edward Wood's uh, replacement, essentially. Yeah, um, but this is a man who can actually manage a football yeah. team. Well, Edward Wood could never do. He's, he's well, th- this in. is the problem, and this is the thing that we've been saying for ten years. How is Edward Wood in a guy, in a place where he's got? Does he has he ever managed anything? Before? No, no. But what I'm saying is, you you've drawn a direct comparison there. But I'm thinking like Ragnik shouldn't be compared to Woodward. It, it's it's no, difficult no, for me compared. to comprehend. I'm saying I'm saying this is the thing. Like he's, but Woodward doesn't really he's, handle he's, transfers. I, I thought I thought he, I think he's coming in a bit earlier than he wanted to. I think Wasn't it was Woodward always going like to happen. A, a glorified accountant though. Yeah, like that he, was his background. And he was making footballing he, decisions. But Woodward doesn't yeah. really, you know, he does take over the scouting who to he, sign. Yes, he does. He, he agree, sanctions he, he, them. He gives the okay. And there was a few. There's a few yeah. signings where he was like, "I we really want this player," even though the managers were not all up for it. But like, J- 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 is he Sancho. the one like suggesting the transfers? I don't think so. I think he's the one giving the green light. But you've got your scouting team doing the the actual. Scouting. Is it just is it just recruitment with Ragnik though, or is there like an academy viewpoint as well and and player development? Not much just came out about it. Let's be honest. But in terms, of he's going to do something there in Man United. Yeah. Oh, yeah. you mean his no, just in, in general. Yeah, like in general what? as his career. No, yeah, because Woodward was oh, going to yeah. transition out anyways, but he's like, obviously staying a bit longer. Because we've talked about Hoffenheim. I think he was at Schalke for a bit as well. He was at Schalke. Schalke, yeah. Stuttgart, you name it, man. Yeah. He was there. But that's the thing. Like he stepped down from Schalke, saying that he was fatigued, really chronic fatigue syndrome, whatever he called it. But um. He basically just like, look, I don't have the mental energy to take this job any further. And he, and he resigned. So he, he's, he kind of reminds me of Zidane or rather Zidane reminds me of him where if they don't feel that um, the project is personally is right for them, they will walk away. There's they, one difference, though. <laughs> that means Ragnik has felt loads of projects are good for him, whereas Zidane's like, Real Madrid only, please. Like Zidane will never deviate from Real Madrid. Yeah, but you have to do, <laughs> you do have to respect Zidane in that he doesn't. No, but I'm know. saying it's, it's funny to say that about Ragnik who's been so many different places. No, but what I mean is he's not like the type... Like I would say most managers, right? Like look at Dean Smith, for example. Loses a job, gets the next one. Ragnik doesn't really go into any job he wants. Yeah, that's that's a good comparison. Sorry, he does go into any job he wants. He doesn't go into any job available. (laughs) Yeah. Because he knows that, you know, he can bring the goods basically. And what he did with Leipzig, you know, we could go on... You could make an entire two-hour long podcast on that. You know, like... uh, 
what he did as a, a sporting director and setting up the entire infrastructure of not just Leipzig, by the way, because he was brought in as the manager of um, sporting operations across the entire Red Bull, uh, Rosenbull yeah. uh, organization. Salzburg so you've got the New yeah. York Red Bull team, you've got the one in Ghana, you've got you know the one in Austria as well, yeah. obviously uh, Salzburg. So you know he will if Man United if he if Man United managed to convince him to stay on as sporting director, which I hope they don't like an advisory role. I mean he did join as an advi- uh, sporting director in Loc- Locomotive, which is where he's leaving from, and he stepped down less than six months. He was born for four years, so. He, he, right. he can walk away. So mm. let's talk about the the football. So what can we expect <laughs> the play style to be? Gigan pressing. Gigan press. Bitch. What else to say? Wh- which is okay, Karen. I'm gonna say I'm gonna say something. But after you say something, obviously that's how this works. But yeah, I mean, <laughs> thanks for explaining podcasts, Doubt. Doubt the genius. Because I was having this conversation today while I was watching United. Yeah, and I was thinking Gigan press. But how are we going to get that out of our players? That's his job. I'm not here to tell you how he's going to do it. All I'm right. just going to tell you what he's going to, to do. To be honest, uh, that was uh, going to be my lead-up question. Like, do do the current players available match his ethos? So, well, Daud, sounds like you want to talk about that. I, will, I don't think they can, but I want to... I think, the, no, no, no. I think, me otherwise and make I me feel happy. Players can, bro. It's, it's interesting I think some players can, Some, yeah, definitely. Question. It's interesting you ask that question because I'm going to reel off some some uh, metrics here to kind of see if an athletic... <laughs> an athletic article where they answered that very question in depth about does Ragnik have the tools to succeed in six months so you know the last uh, comparison you can draw to is his last stint at Leipzig which was a few seasons ago and the team has moved on since with Nagelsmann and, was that 1819 so yeah, yeah. yeah but um, you know just a few metrics here you got pass completion allowed which is essentially you know how many passes you're allowing the opposition to complete so um, Leipzig in 1819 ranked in the 94th percentile, whereas this Man United team ranked in the 32nd percentile. And I'm guessing the lower the worse. The lower the very yeah, a lot worse. Um, passes per successful pressure. So how many, uh, basically, how many passes you've managed to gain after successful pressure or whatever it is. Okay. So, so speak- I'm struggling to understand that one to be honest. So do you get? Do you pressure to win the ball back and then pass it, or how how does that work? I'll give you the exact definition. Okay, let's so, hear. So, um, pass passes allowed after successful pressure is the act of closing down the play with the ball, but the German team, uh, let's see, uh, counter pressing essentially is what it is. Oh, okay. So really when the defending against an opponent's organized build up play, uh, you you know aggressively win the ball back. I got you. So so, so essentially, when they start the press, how long it takes for the pressing team to get the ball back? Yeah. And and some some teams are really good at uh, like Liverpool, yeah, and Man City. So Man City are, are probably the best. This is the most damning if, if one, anything. to be honest, because Leipzig in eighteen nineteen ranked eighty sixth percentile, whereas Manchester United ranked tenth. Wow. Just to show you how ineffective they're. they're Backs pressing. up your point, though. If your team is. isn't really that set up for the yeah, pressing, but it's it's like saying, okay, well, we've got a um, a counter attacking team compared with a gigan pressing team like obviously i'm not i'm not expecting these numbers to be but high counter, anyways counter attack is one element of the gigan press though the fact that you're aiming to win the ball high up the pitch and then quickly launch on the counter but that's that's essentially uh, no there's one aspect of it but the, well, the way that we play is is soak up um uh, yeah, pressure yeah. and like, like are you sponge. that passive like yeah, yeah definitely 100 percent uh ollie's the the reason why the, the reason why, the reason why we were conceding um by half time and then obviously w- unbelievable run of always um, bring it, pegging it back and winning it. You know, there is actually one of the metrics um, is called field tilt. Uh, you know, these stats are all before. courtesy of, uh, you know, Stats.com yeah. and FB Ref and all those, you know, 
I wish I could have access to those, by the way, just to go on a tangent. But, like Opta. Know, bloody hell, how expensive those those stats are to, to gain access to. But Field Tilt, right, is probably the most uh, bizarre one to, like in terms of the name. But essentially what it is, is how much of, not your possession in the opposition's half, but how much the ball stays in the opposition's half. So the field is tilted in the sense that the oh, ball is staying. Yeah. See what I mean? You know they they use this a lot more now, and yeah. they use it um, very metaphorically and make pictures out of it. I don't know if you saw the recent one from Bleacher Report, where a Chelsea playing United and it was literally like inclined towards uh, United's team, uh, United's goal. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's that kind of meme. But yeah. that, that one was probably the actual closest because Manchester United, you know, you say they're passive, but they're still better than most teams in the league. So oh, Leipzig yeah. was in the ninety sixth percentile. Whereas Manchester United was in the 58th percentile, which actually isn't that bad. We're probably so you say they're passive, but in most games you're actually are the team that is you know trying to break. It comes the to the argument again, where if, if you have good players, you're not going to be that bad. Exactly, you know? yeah. we've yeah. got if not the most expensive a team on the, in the Premier League or the what is the top three most. Yeah. Expensive. I think you, it is the most. Ex- it is the most expensive assembled team. Yeah, it's fairly yeah. Uh, I'm I'm talking about current valuation, probably in terms of no, like, in terms I'm of talking about transfer fees. Transfer fees, it. yeah, I would say so. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, but you know, you're asking about the the football. I think as well, like the style of play is it's a very compact formation. And when I say compact, like a lot, like what might pop into your mind straight away is like you know Rafa's compact defensive shape. But what it essentially is is a vertical compactness in a way. Where the strikers are never too far away from the midfielders, and the midfielders are never too far away from the defenders. So when they win the ball back, the counter attacks yeah. smoother, and it's just yeah. it leads into a constant vertical, uh, you know, type of build up. He hates square passes. He says it himself in a, in a quote where he says, "Our idea is clear. It's very similar to my coach and friend Jurgen Klopp. Um, our Red Bull football is heavy metal, rock and roll." It's not a slow waltz. We hate square passes, back passes. Just having the ball ourselves doesn't make sense. So whenever they get the ball, they just want to pass forward vertically up the pitch. And that's never going to work out if your team is too far spread wide. Kind of like the antithesis of Guardiola's make the pitch as wide as possible. They want to make it as small as possible so that they can connect those passes as well. The the closest comparison I've got to Ralph Ragnick is probably Hasenhutl, the way he plays. Mm. Well, he worked under Ralph Yeah, he did at at Leipzig, yeah. Yeah. I'd probably say that's probably the closest What you're saying is, we're all going to enjoy Man United losing 9-0 twice. (laughs) (laughs) That's that's what you're saying. I wish that was the case, but no. But actually, yeah, so we've just heard all these impressive things, you know, statistics and quotes. Ali, are you worried that this is the move that finally fixes Man United? After the Alex Ferguson era, yeah, it actually is. You know why? Because they've brought in somebody who's actually got some brain cells in. Damn, give That's me a high five right now. Fuck uh, you! He nearly did it. <laughs> Fuck you! Right? You know what? I really, really like Ralph Ragnick as well. Uh, <laughs> wow, man, this one hurts. That's the first thing. Second thing is the way the way he operates. It's it's to a different level. He's learned from great coaches like Arrigo Sarri. Learned from the coach which. Um, Coach Johan Cruyff in the Netherlands team in the nineteen seventies. Was that was that Nieskin? No, that wasn't Nieskin. No, but I, I can't remember his name. I was just. But I think I know who you yeah. mean, though. Yeah. No, you, you know he's learned from this, and he, he keeps learning. That's a thing, and that's not an issue. He's very experienced, level-headed. He like knows what he's English doing. Football. He's been and, managing since the eighties, by yeah, the way. Yeah, that's what I'm like. saying. Like, like uh, I've got, I've got two books on Jurgen Klopp, and half the books just on Ralph Ragnick alone. Wow. Yeah. Fair enough. You know, so it it, it, clearly, it clearly shows how, how much of an influence he's had on Klopp and, and took I, I and just realised how much of an influence Klopp had on you. Two books. <laughs> yeah, bro. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> I will say, though, I will say that... When's Ali going to write a book for you? <laughs> I, I would say, um, I would go as far as to say that, you know, if, it's going to sound dumb, but if all things go go the right way, 
it's guaranteed success with Ralph Ragnick. The only, if, it, like, let's the see only, if I agree with the only caveat, here. the only caveat I would say is standing in the way of Manchester United actually Let me hear this. finally getting over there. You know, I wouldn't call it a banter era because they're winning. No, trophies, no, do you know just I mean? being better again. Yeah, is that yeah. if he's only there for six months, the squad right now is not built at all for how he wants to play. And he might struggle to... I wasn't going to say that. Exactly. What, what, I wasn't going to say that. Because if you can see it as a long-term project, then, you know, it's going to work sooner or later. It's just going to click. But, but what I was going to say is the politics within Manchester United might make him leave. Nah. Yeah, they, I would I That's what, what I was thinking. What politics? I don't think there man, is any like, politics. Man, there's always issues at Manchester United. Well, there is like what? Word, like, what? like with previous what? coaches. Woodward has taken a step back in the last two years. This is... I, I, want, I don't want to move on to the next manager, but I, f- I feel like I, I disagree with that point very heavily because... So, right, right. In my opinion, Van all Hall, of the Man United let's drama... Let's see how Van Hal left. Let's see how Mourinho left. Because... See, well, I'll they tell they you why. Because, of the because they squad. couldn't... Yeah, because they weren't managing well. The, for well, me, well, Man no, United's well, drama is always engineered. Well, Van Hal won an FA Cup... Mourinho actually got the best out of the Man- Manchester United. Well, he was toxic. He was the right? person. He was the problem. No, but the toxicity didn't lie at the board uh, of, the t- of the club. Right. Uh, we can talk yeah, about exactly. this. I know we're saying Mourinho. No, I yeah. don't see yeah. this, this could spiral think, into I, something. That I, don't, I feel like we should not get sidetracked too much, you know? I'm just saying, you know, there could be some sort of politics of Manchester United and that could make my fragment. I, I want to hear Jeff's point. Go on. No, no. Because okay, I'll wrap it up because I'll move on to the next manager. But what I'm saying is, this politics... The only thing I could ever remember really is Man United fans not liking how little the Glazers put into the club from their from their direct funds. But the yeah, playing but squad always, is always invested always something into something going on in Man United though, let's be honest. There's yeah, always something but going the playing on. squad is always invested into. Like we've just said, they're the most expensive uh, assembled team in the league and they're gonna keep spending. So there's not gonna be that drama. That's that's what I wanted to see. Moving on to the next manager, which Damn. is Newcastle. You that one short, didn't he? Yeah. <laughs> Newcastle United's Eddie Howe. Now I'm presenting, so I'm going to ask myself the question and then answer it, which is weird. <laughs> which is, uh, well, then. <laughs> can Eddie Howe fix the Newcastle United defence? Can he? And my answer, to be honest, is no. I don't think so. Yeah. I don't want to give it a definitive no, because I'd like to look like an idiot and be wrong, and we stay up and everything's all right. You already look little. I'm <laughs> Damn. <laughs> that was worse yeah. that was just opened me up I, and Dowd, I had to, I had to go that has just revealed why we don't do video podcasts <laughs> <laughs> okay. sorry sorry no, you just, it's, it's it all just you know it's, it's all good it's there but obviously like the, the main thing is you know he's a very impressive manager in terms of how far he took Bournemouth you know that's that's his team he was there as a player and he even said that he didn't actually plan on becoming a manager he just helped out the team and it sort of spiralled from there with his assistant Jason Tindall and um, for me obviously Bournemouth Everyone remembers them as playing, I would say, quite a nice brand of football, right? They were never one of the more boring teams in the league. They were always trying to be on the front foot. They had some big wins over the years. Like, I'm pretty sure they spanked Chelsea 4-0 they did, at yeah. one point. And uh, they must have beat Man United a couple, two or three times, if yeah. I recall, right? Yeah. Did, uh, like, I don't know if they ever beat Liverpool. But yeah, yeah. like there was, always, there was always a good time with him in terms of attacking and the type. And the best part is, he wasn't doing it with superstars. You know, there was like Matt Ritchie, Callum Wilson. These guys made their name in the football league. He wasn't signing them you know, from big clubs or anything like that. And uh, that back line, I didn't know if they were like footballers or like a, a solicitor's firm, you know, like Charlie Daniels and Stephen Cook and stuff like that. <laughs> Stephen Cook and yeah, Charlie and, Daniels. And well. Stephen Francis and all these guys. They're still playing, you know. One of them's playing for Coventry. I yeah, think yeah, that's Cook. what I'm saying. Like, yeah. so for me, to actually get those type of names to get to the Premier League and then stay up in the Premier League for five years, maybe I judge him harshly by saying he can't fix the defence because maybe he's never had like a, a superb defence to begin with, right? Now, True. at the moment, we were talking about the fit between Ragnick and the Man United team. The fit between Howe and Newcastle's defenders is not there, man. 
if he was struggling with those no-name defenders, these Newcastle ones are just uh, unfortunately no longer up to it. Like, well, they if, are no-name defenders, really. If we were talking about this conversation three years ago, I think we had like probably one of the best defenses outside the top six. There was a time with Rafa Benitez where we actually had the best defensive record outside of the top six. It was Federico Fernandez, Fabian Scher, Flurry and Lejeune, Kieran Clark. You know, someone Lascelles. listening who doesn't... Yeah, Lascelles. Oh, yeah, don't yeah. forget him. <laughs> yeah, that, the captain. Yeah. yeah, Not a forgettable guy, apparently. But for me, anyone who probably doesn't watch Newcastle is probably thinking, you've just named really average defenders. But they were they were solid. They were within their own rights to be considered good good players. But now, you know, three years later, regression, some players, you know, Lejeune's left. He had two ACLs, poor guy. Totally not the same player that he was when he first arrived. And uh, for me, obviously, the January transfer window can't come soon enough. Apparently, we're the richest club in the world. So you'd expect there to be some transfers. I remember when we did the Newcastle takeover, we mentioned James Tarkovsky, correct? Yep. And he, he would be a great addition straight away. Like Newcastle's defensive issues were absolutely tactical under Steve Bruce. Like combination of that, and we've just mentioned those players have regressed. But honestly, guys, like, can you imagine having an identity as a defensive manager where all the players are behind the ball, constantly defending, low block, but still being shit defensively? Like, are uh, you giving Steve Bruce some slack here? No, no. I'm saying he was responsible for turning a great defense into a shit one. So much so that it's permanent. No, not so much so that it's permanent. So much so. So much so that it's coincided. So they've they've been coached badly, but it's also coincided them getting older and regressing. So it's kind of right. like a little bit of both. Right, right. Yeah. So those those refreshments need to be made. But in terms of what Eddie Howe can bring to the table, obviously, technically he's had two games, but one of them because of COVID, he wasn't actually in touchline. We've seen an improvement already attacking wise I would say so against uh, obviously against Arsenal away n- not at all you know that, that was a very difficult fixture we were dominated we, we tried to and keep Arsenal it Arsenal up, up turn as well exactly yeah. yeah so that's not the game that I'm going to sit there and say yes I can see Eddie Howe's ideas and they're shit or they're good now two games are coming up we'll be there in the stadium Norwich at home on Tuesday that's going to be massive Yeah. and then Burnley as well those those two matches at St James's Park they have to be wins yeah but I mean, yeah, in terms I'll be of both so you know I feel like honestly the the atmosphere is going to be so deflated if we don't take anything from Norwich, and the sad thing is, we're we're so void of confidence that even a game like Norwich at home is starting to feel unwinnable. Yeah, I mean going into a a season, um, you know, we didn't really expect much. The takeover wasn't really rumored to happen, and then the takeover happens, and like obviously the initial uh, joy of that, and then afterwards, it does settles down. And yeah. suddenly you're in December and you've got no wins. So exactly. Eddie Howe, you know, he said, can he fix this defense? But a better question is, is, is Eddie Howe a miracle worker? Because right now <laughs> it's, it's, that, it's that kind of vibe. Yeah, I mean, one of the things I'm looking forward to is uh, hopefully he will implement that uh, 4-4-2 that, you know, I've, I've read about when I've been researching him. So, so as you say, you know, the better question is, is he a miracle worker? But yeah, one of the things I'm looking forward to seeing is the 4-4-2 in action. So... 4-4-2 is a, you know, a very old school formation. People think big man, little man up top and all that kind of thing. Not flick-ons and runs in behind. But his his version of that was more using a second striker. So he used to uh, have obviously Callum Wilson and Josh King. Uh, Callum Wilson leading the line. Look who's leading the line for us. That's already nice. That There's a familiarity there. And uh, in Josh King, we've got Joe Linton, the support striker, who I think has the tools of being like, we know that he's not a finisher. We know that he's got no composure. But <laughs> the positive side of his game... Is, is the things that would suit a support striker. And that's how he thrived in uh, Hoffenheim as well. Obviously, he's never thrived to the point where he should have been bought for 40 million, but whatever, we've got him. We might as well use him. 
and uh, he's actually been looking good so far in the couple of games. Definitely. So hopefully that's that's a sign of things to come in terms of uh, you know our attacking output, getting the best out of Saint Maximan again, which I think Saint Maximan is sort of his his own like individualism suited him under Bruce. Like when you have no tactics and you're that good at football, you're the one who shines, right? Because you yeah. just pick up the ball and do your magic. So I'd like to see some more uh, sort of like tactical productivity from Saint Maximan. Yeah, definitely. A little bit concerned about his lack of tracking back because if we're going to play four four two. Four four two always relies on that fullback winger relationship, doesn't it? They can't they can't be doing their own thing. They have to track back together and attack together. Yeah. So there's no concerns for me on the right hand side with that because whoever we've got on the right would have decent work rate like Jacob Murphy or Ryan Fraser. But Sam Axaman worries me, man, defensively. Like he does dribble across the pitch and then lose the ball half the time, which is a bit weird. Yeah, <laughs> like for me, I, I need I need more tactical instructions to be in the team. Like you guys don't understand. One of the things that is actually good for Eddie Howe. He's not following up an act at all where we had any expectation from that manager. So sometimes when you get a new manager, you think, oh, crap, but we were really good at this at least. Is, is this new manager going to make that yeah. happen? There was nothing good under Bruce. So it's <laughs> no. literally the only way is up. So there for me, that's that's the Eddie Howe impact that I'm expecting. Like the 4-4-2 or the 4-2-3-1, a little bit more tactical fluidity and uh, fixing the defense. My answer is no. I mean, I don't know if uh, you want to weigh in, Dowd or Ali. As as neutrals looking well, outside, I how, this, how the appointment the, of Eddie Howe. The San Maximan thing is because he bailed out Bruce so many times. Uh, literally, I think he had like a, a, a you know a, a, a hole pass of like okay, go on do what you need to do because you're you're the only creativity that I've actually got in this team. Um, so it'll be I think it's going to be difficult to rein that in for Eddie Howe, given that he's been so pivotal for a season, well last season essentially. You're saying ASM Eddie might clash. Well, I think that that but the first thing that'll be to rein in, personally. That's an interesting. Because thing. Think he's like you said, you like he should be given less tactical freedom. No, like, like, like you less, said, yeah. he, he needs to start covering it up, uh, um, uh, tracking back, tracking back in terms of defensive wise. Um, and this is the, this is the problem that, like you said, our previous managers have uh, we've worked like this, and I think the only thing that the legacy that Steve Bruce has done well essentially or get hit by uh, cabbage yeah uh, uh, well <laughs> that or uh and uh sorry like clawing clawing something out of asm um by letter basically saying you know your only creativity do what you need to do you've got some freedom to do dribbles and then this new guy saying well i need you to track back now and yeah. you know it's it's hard it's hard it's to an interesting that. point actually i didn't think about that but when you say it, it does kind of make sense is asm gonna accept that oh, he was, role, steve bruce's you know, favorite uh, I think. Yeah. And he loved Bruce. He yeah. was the only, I think he was the only player that came out after the sack. No, nah, there was a couple, but like, yeah, yeah it, it's an enough. interesting point. I mean, Ali, in terms of Newcastle United staying up with Eddie Howe, obviously there's six points adrift at the moment. There's seven games to go before the January transfer window where you'd expect the team will change by the end of that. But the task ahead and what you know of Eddie Howe, can he and will he keep Newcastle United up this season? If I'm honest with you, probably not. Yeah, we need honesty Probably right not. It's all right. You'll probably finish 20th. I think it's 20th? Yeah. So you don't even think you can climb them up I, to 18th? I personally think Dean Smith's a better coach than Eddie Howe. And I think Norwich are probably a better squad than Newcastle overall as a team. Wow, these are new takes. No, no, no. I, I mean, I, you could be correct, but these are new takes. Yeah, well, well, yeah. Um, I don't want to I don't want to say that. I really don't. But sometimes it might be better if Newcastle just take a step back, go to the championship, rebuild, come back up. It's easy to say. Uh, I know. I know. It's easy to say in my position, but no, it's I've, not that. It's, yeah. I'm saying it's easy to say, like on paper. I, the, I championship, the championship. The championship. The championship is a br- brutal league. <laughs> is no, no, absolutely. I, I, no, I, I know it is. You know, I, you know, amount of times Aston Villa tried to get back up when they got relegated. Yeah. You know, same with Norwich, yeah, yeah. full, full more up and down. I'm not saying it is easy, yeah. but I think that's probably the best case scenario. I mean, is it though? 
if we do manage to stay up, it's not like it's another season of expecting to like, stay, uh, like, just to scrape, you know, survival again with the new owners. It's a clean slate. The Fulham thing, though, that is a very interesting point. Like Fulham d- did spend a lot. But of money. Newcastle's position now is not just about like I, I, I totally understand what you mean. But like Kodema said, we've now got these owners where if you go to the Championship, you're lagging behind in terms of the the project, right? So if you want Newcastle to be in the Champions League, that's going to be no, so no, no, much no, longer. I get that, but it's all right to take yeah. two steps back to you know see, see a long term project. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, steady but the ship. The, the no, no, but the though, money is so is the money is so much apparently that you would think that let's say that they finished seventeenth by the skin of their teeth. I'm already so much more excited for the future because I know that. That's what I'm saying oh. is that to me finishing seventeenth or seventh this season is the same because what you'll do in the summer after that's what's going to set you going forward. But if you go down, all of a sudden, these targets, the transfer targets, why should I have a year in the championship? Definitely. You're going to struggle to... I think there's got to be a plan B, though. Uh, let's say you spend loads of money. Let's say we spent, you spend all 190 million that is uh, reportedly uh, available in January and you guys you go, go to the championship. But the issue... Yeah, that's, that, that's, that, that puts you even back that's further, No, 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 further, but, but further. The, issue, the issue Newcastle United have is how are they going to attract players if they're already 20th right now? But that's the thing, right? That's why like, these two matches that we've talked about are so crucial, important. I get that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, because if you're heading into January, right, with like I don't know, one point away from safety or two or three or whatever, that's manageable. And the new signings will be like, all right, I can help you guys, you know, get over that, and then we'll start again. But if we totally just collapse and we can't even beat Norwich and Burnley, yeah. but I feel like I might by January, then yes, we're gonna have to accept the championship for sure. But I feel like even in the future, though, like this is why Eddie Howe's so- market is yeah. is a lot more okay. attractive. Uh, Eddie know. Howe has huge pressure, man. The board have basically told him, "You're the one who's in charge of the the club's plans going forward because we're either gonna do a championship plan or pre- a Premier League Premier plan League going plan. forward." Okay, I well, depending on I the results you get. All three years, who's gonna get, if Newcastle not getting relegated? Who isn't? Okay, who's, no, who's, I'm going to still stick with Norwich. No, who's Norwich. bad enough Which though. we're going to talk about Norwich in a moment because we are going to yeah. discuss Dean Smith. But I feel like Norwich are certain to go down. N- not because they're trash. No, not because they're trash. Like, I feel like they will improve. If they go, if we go down, they're coming with us. But you, yeah, no, 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 I get that. But like, who's yeah. going to stay? And the other one, he makes spot. a very fair point. Like, who who else is playing yeah. that bad? That the other one, I believe, I believe that uh, Watford have a terrible defense. Like, they can score. Don't get me wrong. They've got n- nice well, forwards with a lot better football. Though. But they're losing four two and five two and stuff. Like, it's it's not good enough. But they'll beat Man United four one and you know Everton five two. Okay, but that was the low point of Man United. No, no, I mean you could even. Everton, I'm I wouldn't even be surprised United. if in 20 years someone comes out and said that we tanked that game on purpose to get rid of Oli. But um, <laughs> <laughs> but here's my yeah, okay. You've asked for names, so Norwich yeah. is one for me. Yeah. The other one is Watford. Yep. And finally, Burnley. Would you say? Nah, not no, Burnley. Burnley. I, I genuinely, yeah, Leeds. Leeds okay. United. I, I feel say Leeds because yeah. wow. um, my feeling with Leeds is they've kind of been found out finally, and Bielsa is too stubborn as good of a manager as he is to really change his like, approach to the game. And I feel like it'll just end up costing uh, the league position, really. All right. So we'll get into oh. the last manager and the last team we'll talk about. So we've just sort of brought them up there. But Norwich City have hired Dean Smith. Again, he's also another manager with uh, two games under his belt already. One win and one draw. Norwich were seen as absolutely out. We've just mentioned it, right? Like yeah, exactly. in terms of relegation. Dowd. Talk us a little bit about their appointment with Dean Smith. Has that given them like realistic hope of staying up? Uh, you know, b- based on that appointment, it's an interesting one because obviously Daniel Falk, uh, he just won a game and then literally the next day or on that evening he got sacked. It evening, must have already been decided regardless. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And and this is the thing um, with the 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 board already knowing what they want um, in terms of like okay, you know, you've took this team as far as you can. 
um, yes, you won this game. Okay, you're out. Now, Dean Smith obviously was available then, came in. And essentially, you know, I'd love to be the fly on the wall in that meeting and say, well, what are your season expectations? Can you start getting Norwich to play a better football? And I think they could. But realistically, are they going to win enough games? Yeah. I don't think well, so. Well, that's that's my question to you. Like, what is it about Dean Smith's uh, sort of like managerial style or his tactics that I feel like Norwich said, okay, he'll actually keep us up? Well, I was actually talking um, this uh, to Ali as well before we came. Like, I, I was doing research on, on Dean Smith and he's nothing special in terms of tactical genius. He's The only thing he's got m- more, um, he's more adept at is uh, man management. Uh, I think I, I linked obviously that article once uh, that John Terry obviously uh, was under him doing some coaching, trying to get players um, playing better. And uh, a good example of his man management was when John Terry was um, just, you know, he was going ballistic on, on this one uh, player who used to be a first team regular. And uh, Dean Smith obviously, you know, giving them reports and saying, you know, have you actually thought about if anything's going on back home? Um Obviously, in which case they did. And John Terry said, you know, it completely opened up his eyes to actually looking at a football player more than just what he brings on the pitch. Um, and this is the thing that Dean Smith has actually always talked about in his interviews is where um, he bring, brings it back to basics. He, in his um, in his coaching, he used to always get the, uh, the players to just have a match and say, uh, you know, play however you want to play. And then realise that if, if those players knew how to, let's say, build up um, play or defend as a, a compact team. And then from there, you used to start um, te- uh, basically giving like tailored advice to each player. Um, I, I can give you a really good example of one uh, tailored advice that works really well when he brought Emmy Martinez. He... He really likes to play um, with. He really likes to play football with building from the back. So using the goalkeeper, um, like as a as a extra outfield player. Uh, one of the main reasons that he does that is to try and bring the 11th, the tenth player from the opposing team, and then essentially frees up a, a player for the goalkeeper to start a you know an attack off from the back. Yeah. And Emi Martinez didn't really have that in his in his um, in his repertoire. He 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 built that into him, and he does that really well. I think he he Emmy Martinez has, has, if anything, increased his uh, skills by doing that. Mm. Um, and I I think it's basically try and get the same out of the Norwich team. The problem is is that Norwich don't have enough. Yeah, I was, of, I was of about skills to talk about those players. Fa- yeah, I feel like their squad isn't horrendous. It's don't get no, me wrong, like Billy Gilmore. Like yeah. he's got so much potential, teaming with potential. I think yeah. he's. I think Dean Smith is going to get so much out of him. Just to say as well, and I'm sure you've checked this with the with the obviously they beat Brentford away for the first game under Dean Smith, which is a nice win. Yeah, like Brentford have fallen off a little bit after that. So you know when like a newly promoted club always starts and everyone's. I raving said this about at them. the beginning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But they also really dominated Wolves yesterday. Like I know it was nil nil, but all I saw was Wolves fans commenting like, "How did we escape with a point?" Like, yeah, sounds like Norwich were totally all over them. So I feel like Dean Smith is in a nicer position than Eddie Howe in a sense because nobody expects anything There's no from pressure Norwich. On Dean. Yeah. yeah, well, it's the way that and he plays football, like from the back. And Farker has actually like, in terms, if Farker could translate how Norwich played in Championship Premier League, that'd be fine. 
Yeah. So maybe Dean Smith can do that because these Norwich players aren't bad. They can play with the ball. They can play. But they're not going to get good football out of him. Like his his tactics are are playing vertically. Um, you know his general uh, favorite tactical formation was four three three. Um, when he got Barkley in, it was like a four three. Well, four two three one. Yeah. Um, using Barkley as a like a you know like a standard um, you know old fashioned number ten role. Um, try. Villa themselves have always utilised their their wing backs or right backs. Sorry, um, it's overloading. You know, like you, you can name a really good few, uh, Mohamedi, um, Young. You know, essentially he, he carried that on um, yeah. and always trying to get the ball vertically up. But he wasn't afraid to to try and uh, start again from the back. Um, I mean, he never really dominated any um, teams. His average um, like. Possession stats were, I think, in the forties. So, what about that seven-two? Uh, yeah, obviously, the, the <laughs> Liverpool seven-two. That was a tactical masterclass yeah. or uh, tactical fail. You know the from way he planned for those Klopp. deflections. Amazing, uh, like, absolutely amazing. Um, <laughs> and the, the thing is that it looked like he was. It looked like he his team was getting better because of the individuals he was getting. You know, not because of his tactics getting better. But that's that's when you when like when I hear you talk about Dean Smith now, all I'm thinking about is. Wow, this guy was just riding uh, Jack Grealish's coattails for the last four years, and as soon as Grealish left, they all went to shit. So now he's joining Norwich. No, they don't I don't, have I don't blame Dean Smith for his own sake. No, but he's really good. I'm not saying management. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is like the way you're talking about him now is that like he's a man manager. He doesn't really bring a tactical element that is above and beyond anything else in the Premier League. Yeah, hundred percent. It be makes me think that Grealish was the one that was. Carrying him. carrying him. Yeah, yeah, look at his coughs. <laughs> <laughs> That's and, uh, true. Maybe, you know, Norwich, he'll struggle even further because I would say Aston Villa's got a better squad. Well, yeah. it's been a good start for them and it looks like there's a positive vibe around the place. Hopefully we can... Yeah, but that new manager bounce has yeah. been seen we time can and time again. burst that balloon on Tuesday. Definitely. Hopefully, man. If we, not, I'm bursting my balloon. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so that was a, a great discussion, lads. Obviously, we'll... You know, the se- the season's really just begun, hasn't it? I think I feel we, like it's just begun, yeah. We're yeah. a third of the way through, huh? Yeah, well, apparently. So, it's going to be interesting to see which of these clubs feel like they've made the best decision come the end of the season. I think we can rule out... Um, My United. No. <laughs> well, <laughs> luckily. I was going to say, I think we can rule out Newcastle a bit because I feel like... We're going down. It's just, yeah. We, we, we definitely have the most futile situation at the moment. So, if Eddie brings that back, then honestly, he's, he's my pick for manager of the season already. I don't even care what anyone else does. But there we oh, go. Man. Yeah. Uh, thanks a lot, lads, and we'll see you next time. Thank you. Thank Adios. you. See you. As always, you can follow us on Facebook, YouTube, and TikTok by searching the handle 343Football. That's F U T B O L. And on Instagram by searching 343Football Podcast. You can also listen to the podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, and Stitcher, and all other major podcast networks.